Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Return to the Lord your God. This is the drumbeat of our Lenten worship series this year, Return. We hear God calling out to us, return to prayer, return from betrayal, return from false witness, return from denial, return to the kingdom of God, return to the table, return to truth, return to the church, return and see what God has done for you. And so, as we launch this series, we gather together first to hear Joel's prophecy and our God's invitation. Our Old Testament reading from Joel gets us oriented to the season, highlights the problem, and lays out the solution in all its beauty and simplicity. God calls us to simply return to him, because he will address our needs and provide for our salvation. Our task, then, for today is simple. First, we will look at Joel's prophecy in the context in which it came. What was going on? How did God's words speak to the situation? And how might that have sounded to his people? Secondly, we will think about whether this prophecy still applies to us. Are these words only for the Israelites in Joel's day? Or do they have something to offer to us as well? Finally, we'll hear this invitation and promise offered to us, and we'll spend a little time getting oriented to how we will walk down this path. So then, let's begin today by doing a little time traveling to ancient Israel, where we can get some idea of the people to whom Joel was speaking and understand more about what was going on in their world. We don't know a whole lot about Joel. He was a prophet, likely ministering to the southern kingdom of Judah. The book that bears his name is relatively short, only 73 verses organized into just three chapters, but it is rich and deep and complex. His jumping-off point is a plague of locusts that had or would strike Israel and that served to foreshadow the coming day of the Lord. Whether that plague was literal or figurative is unclear, but Joel's message is straightforward. A day of judgment will come. And he pleads with the people to turn to God so that they would be found righteous on that great and awesome day. The outline of Joel's prophecy is pretty simple. First, there's an invasion of locusts that will destroy all vegetation. Joel calls the people to fast at the temple, and then he offers a prayer of lament over the coming destruction. Secondly, as if you thought that was bad, there's something even more significant coming. The day of the Lord is coming. It is near. Joel describes the Lord's army using the imagery of the destroying locusts. He issues a call to return to the Lord to fast and pray at the temple. And thirdly, God responds. First, to the locust plague, offering healing and restoration, and then on a much bigger scale. God responds in the day of the Lord, giving salvation to those who call on his name and passing judgment on the worldly nations who have played fast and loose with God's chosen people. Our reading for today is drawn right out of the center of the book. The imagery of the swarm of locusts has been completed. The comparison to the Lord's army and the day of the Lord has been made, and the reader is left wondering what in the world can be done. It's a little like the scene when the rich young man approaches Jesus and asks what good deed he must do to have eternal life. 
Jesus counsels the young man to sell all his possessions and give to the poor, presumably to undercut that man's love of money. Then the young man goes away sad. Jesus turns to his disciples and explains how difficult it is for someone with wealth to enter the kingdom of heaven. The text says that the disciples were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? And friends, you can almost hear Joel's audience asking the very same thing of him. Who then can be saved? But Joel brings good news. He brings a promise. That promise is simple. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The people needed only to return to the Lord their God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. They needed only to stop trusting in themselves and to put their trust instead in God. They needed only to realize that just as they couldn't stop the swarming locusts, neither would they be able to stop Judgment Day. It will come, and all will be affected. And the only solution to this is to return to the Lord. But are those words only for the Israelites? Might you be facing a swarm of locusts that will threaten to completely destroy you? Well, certainly you are. There are small, unassuming little things that each do a little bit of damage. But they add up to a destructive force that descends on the landscape and decimates everything good in its path. Friends, I tell you, your sins are your locusts. And while one little locust doesn't seem all that terrifying, when the entire list of your deeds is considered, boy, it's breathtaking and it's terrifying. If the wages of sin is death, as we read in Romans chapter 6, and if, as the prophet Ezekiel says, the soul who sins shall die, then this locust swarm of our sins is frightening indeed. Joel's words can and should hit you in the same way that they hit the Israelites. The day of the Lord will come, and with it, immense destruction and terror. Of yourself, there is no way to escape it. The times that you sought to improve your own standing by luring your competitors' employees to your company, that'll come to light. That time when you coveted your neighbor's property, that'll come to light too. Those times when you spoke ill of your co-worker, when you helped yourself to the office supplies at work because, well, they really owed it to you. When you ogled that hunky, shirtless guy at the construction site, or when you had a little fling with the pretty young lady in accounting? When you lost your temper and you screamed at the guy on the bike who didn't get out of your way? When you treated your father with contempt or dismissed your mother's request to clean up your mess? When you blew off worship because you just didn't care to hear what that boring preacher had to say? When you strung together a string of curse words that would make make a dock worker blush? when you decided that you knew better than God about, well, everything. That's the swarm of locusts. And destruction of all the vegetation is the least of your worries. Eternal death and damnation should absolutely terrify you. But friends, Joel brings good news for you too. He brings a promise, and that promise is simple. 
It shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He relents over disaster. In spite of your sinful rejection of God, he invites you to return to him, and he promises to bless you. So stop trusting in yourself and look instead to the Lord your God. Know that you can't stop the swarming locust and you can't stop his judgment. It will come and all will be affected, and the only solution is to return to him. Return to the Lord. Over the coming weeks, we here at Faith will explore more deeply how God's call to return plays out in our lives. We'll do so by walking in the steps of the disciples and those who accompanied Jesus in the final days of his life. We will hear the call to return as it echoes in their ears and maybe come to understand it the way that they did. For example, next Wednesday, we will spend some time with Peter, James, and John as they accompany Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Our theme there is return to prayer. Similar themes will follow each week of Lent. I invite you, dear brothers and sisters, to be here or be present online for each of our midweek services as we follow Joel's call to gather the people, to consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, yes, even the nursing infants. We'll come together, all of us, and we'll listen to God's call and we will return to him. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in the same Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.